Uh, welcome to Beyond Church. For those who don't know me, my name is Josh, and I'm part of the leadership team here at Beyond. If you're here because someone dragged you along, or you're here because uh, you're here for the food, or you just come to listen to the music, or if you're here because you're single, ready to mingle, and you've come to meet someone really cute, by the way, if that is you, quick word of advice is maybe the best tip you ever get in church. Um, if you're here and you're single and you're ready to meet somebody, when we pray, everyone's going to close their eyes. They're all going to bow your heads. Now, if you're single and you're looking for someone, bow your head, close one eye, leave one eye open. Then, once count to five, then once everyone's bowed their heads and you're sure they're all in their pray state, come back up and then resubmerge and survey the floor. Just thought I'd let you know that one. Best tip I ever learned. Um, if you're new here to Beyond, uh, we've got this thing, or we're, generally the way we do things, we do things in series, so we take an idea, a topic, and we camp out over it over a couple of weeks. But tonight, uh, we're shaking things up, we're doing things a little bit differently, because tonight is what we call a one-off message, a one-and-done, a one-hit wonder, in that we're going to take one idea, one topic, and look at it for tonight and tonight only. And we're going to jump into that in just a second, but before we do... I just want to take a moment to be really honest with you. Um, it's been something that's been really weighing on me. I've, I feel like I've got to tell somebody. I've got a confession to make. Three months ago, I joined a soccer team. Now, that's another confession. All you people who think soccer is more of an acting profession than a sport. But three months ago, but that's where my confession starts. Because three months ago, I joined a soccer team. And I joined it with a bunch of my mates. And our soccer games are every Saturday afternoon. And after our games on a Saturday, me and the boys all decided it would be a great idea to kind of celebrate the game, win, loss or draw, to come back to my house and have a barbecue, a bit of banter, and um, cook up some snags and some steaks. So this characterises my last three months of Saturdays. And all the boys come over and we cook up snags, we cook up steak, we cook up kebabs, really anything that's not green and all healthy for you. That's rule number one of boys' night. Don't eat anything healthy or that your mum would recommend for you to eat. So we eat steak, steak and meat. And pretty much that's, that's, Saturday, after, or that's Saturday night. We just cook up this big barbie and then to kind of cap off the night, we watch a movie. Now, this is where the confession comes in, because what do you generally expect teenage boys to watch on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, right? You, you expect action films or blood, gore and guts, you expect a horror film or maybe even a uh, comedy film, but not me and my mates. That might be true for the rest of the 99% of the population, but not me and my mates. Every Saturday night for the last three months, I have and me and my mates have watched rom-coms. If, if, you're not a, if, you, if you're not up with the lingo, that's a romance film. I learnt that three months ago. But every Saturday, I have watched a rom-com. I've watched uh, ten, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 10, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. I've watched every Lindsay Lohan film in existence. I literally love Lindsay Lohan. I've got a bit of a crush on her, but like, don't tell anyone. But I just, just thought I'd tell you that because over the last three months of watching these rom-coms, I've started to notice a pattern that all these films kind of follow. And it's consistent with every rom-com I've started to see. And it starts off with an opportunity. The opportunity. There's a new girl or a new guy, the, the, the film that the centres around, and they step into a new workplace or a new school or a new... Um, and they move from Tennessee to Oklahoma and then they're, they're in this new city. 
And there's a new opportunity that comes with this movement. There's, a, there's an opportunity to step out into a dream that they've always dreamed of. There's an opportunity to uh, advance in their career, advance into their, in their job. Most of the time, because it's a rom-com, it's the opportunity of meeting that perfect boy, that perfect girl. And then that opportunity, that character, makes advancements on their opportunity and they start making decisions to move towards it. And then all of a sudden, they experience a minor setback. Something goes wrong, not everything goes according to plan, and they have to change plans. And then all of a sudden, things look like they're moving up, and then we have the big disaster moment, the major setback in that everything looks like it's going haywire. The girl's not going to get the guy. They're not going to live happily ever after. This is the moment where you're about to shed a tear, and you're on the edge of your seat, and there's the climactic point. Everything is pointed towards this moment, and the character is just is faced with a decision to make which will have a major impact on the rest of their life and the rest of the film. And it's all 18 minutes have been building to this. The opportunity, the minor setback, the change in plans, the major setback has all been pointing towards this one point, this one decision. And the character makes, has a decision to make. And being a rom-com, the character makes a decision which advances their future and they go happily ever after into the sunset they they kiss that perfect boy but I tell you this because this this is pattern of the set up, the point of impact the climax where you make that decision and it has an impact on your future and this characteristic, this uh, kind of structure is true for our own lives as well we have a lot of setbacks in our past I'm sure for you Maybe you had a relationship fall apart. Maybe you got knocked back on your loan that you applied for. Maybe uh, you didn't get that job that you applied for or you failed a uni subject or you're not doing so well at school and things aren't looking all that bright. You've experienced a set of setbacks. Tonight, and the idea I want to pull apart is that these setbacks in your past are setting you up for something bigger, setting you up for a moment, a decision, that you will make and it will have an impact on your life. And to kind of tease out that idea, to kind of bring everything into picture, I want to look at a story in the Old Testament of the Bible. And I'm sure all of you have heard of it before. If you're an unchurched person, you probably didn't realize it was in the Bible. But this story is uh, it's used in business in the business world. It's described or it used to describe when a big company is beaten by a small company. It's the story of David and Goliath. And this story is of a 14-year-old pipsqueak chicken-winged boy who goes head-to-head with this massive giant estimated to be about 2.9 metres tall, Goliath. And Goliath is suited up with armor, he's suited up with um, a a spear about the size of a bus, and he's going up against this little chicken-winged shepherd who's dressed up in his little rags, he doesn't have a spear, doesn't have a set of armor, all he has is this slingshot and a bunch of pebbles. And eventually, and and what I'm sure you've already know the story, but if you don't, David kills Goliath with the throw of one stone. And a lot of us know this story, but I don't want to particularly look at that story. I want to look at the events that preceded this event, which set David up to be able to uh, beat the odds, to be able to defeat Goliath. And so I want to start off with David. So if you don't know, David is a 14-year-old boy. He's got a high little pitch voice, still in puberty, 
He's a shepherd boy. He's the youngest of his family. Not only is he the youngest, but he's got seven older brothers. Now, I don't want to imagine how much chaos that would have been at home for his parents, but I had two younger brothers, and the amount of chaos that we caused at home was ridiculous. It'd be, who's going to sit in the front? Who's going to sit at the table? Who's not going to do the dishes? And it was just a fight, absolute fight. There'd be arguing, there'd uh, there'd be words that shouldn't be spoken in a church, there'd be punching. I didn't think I bit my brother once. Like, we just fought, fought, and fought. And there's just the three of us. So I just can't imagine how David Cope, being the youngest of seven brothers, not only was the youngest of seven brothers, but all his brothers were soldiers in the, the king's army at the time. Yet David, he's a shepherd. While all his brothers are out, at the, out in the war, he stays at home with his, with his sheep, talking to his three best friends, Sean, Sean, and Sean. And he just kind of hangs out with them all day long while his brothers are out and oh, out in the war. And one day, um, his, his brothers are out and they've got, um, the army is out and they got declared war against the Philistines. So David's community that he's a part of is the Israelite nation. And they're going head to head with the Philistines. And all David's brothers go out to, to this fight. And instead of this war being decided by the army taking down the other army, they decide upon this thing which is called champion warfare in which both armies choose their best warrior, their number one warrior to go head-to-head with each other. And whoever wins a single fight takes out the war. Now, being the Philistines, I don't think they thought twice about who they were going to pick. If you've got a 2.9-metre giant on your team, you're picking him, right? So they pick Goliath, and the Israelites are kind of looking at him going, how are we going to beat that? Like, this guy is three times the size of me, There is no way we can take him down. So all the Israelites, they kind of fought back and they're hiding in their little camps. Now, while this is going on, David, he's back at home. He's tending to the sheep. He's hanging out with them. He's got life easy. And his mum and dad are a little bit concerned, like any good parents are. And they go to David and they're like, well, you need to check out, you need to check on your brothers. And we've made this cheese platter for him. We'll look after the sheep. Can you take this cheese platter? We've got cabaret. We've got brie cheese. We're just going to... Can you just take that to your brothers and just check on them if they're all right? So David's like, all right, I'll do it. And goes all the way and gets to the battlefield. And all he sees is Goliath, this massive beast of a guy yelling down at the Israelites who are nowhere to be seen. And I was going to pull off an Arnold Schwarzenegger um, impersonation, but I practiced and I I can't do it. So just imagine Goliath yelling in an Arnold Schwarzenegger um, impression. And he's yelling down at the Israelites and he's like, come and fight me. And the Israelites, they're nowhere to be seen. And David's like, what's going on? He goes and finds his brothers around the corner and and goes and he's like, what's going on? What's happening? And his brothers respond to him and they let him know what's going on. You know, there's that guy out there. We have to fight him and nobody's keen on doing it. To which David responds in his classic overconfident 14-year-old voice, I'll do it. I'll fight him. To which his brothers are like, you're an idiot. You can't do that. Look, I could beat you in an arm wrestle, let alone you couldn't beat Goliath in a fight. There is no way you can do it. But David doesn't want any of it and goes and finds the king of the Israelites and he's and he t- tries to persist on his idea and he reveals his plan of his to fight Goliath. 
And this conversation between uh, the king, Saul, and David is recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. It's up on the screen if you want to follow along. And he says this to the king. Don't worry about the Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I just love the king's response because it's the response I would have had and it's the response you would have had. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is just no way you can do it. You're all, what, knee height to him and he could probably just kick you over. There is no way you would beat him. There is no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man or he's been a man of war since his youth. He's been preparing for this moment, David. You're a shepherd. You couldn't do it. And David's like, just give me an explanation. Just give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to explain why. Saul's like, all right. And David persists and he says this. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. To which Saul's like, that's exactly my point. You're a shepherd, you look after sheep, you look after goats, you don't fight warriors. And it's like, there is no way you're fighting him. But Saul's like, uh, David's like, come on, just, just hear me out. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal the lamb on the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and grab it and club it to death. I can do this. I've taken down lions, I've taken down bears, and I've done this, and I can do this to the pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. I can take him down. I've been preparing for this moment. My situation as a shepherd, it may not look like it set me up for this opportunity, but I'm ready. I've taken down lions, I've taken down bears, and I can take down this Goliath monster. And then he gives us his sentence. And, it's where, and in this sentence is where we find the drop of gold that we can apply to our life. And David says this, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. In other words, God has been preparing me for this moment. God's been using my situation as a shepherd to prepare me for this fight with Goliath. I've been getting, I've, God's been setting me up for this exact moment in time so that I can execute the plan that he has for my life. And Saul's like, all right, we'll go, we'll go or you can go out and fight him. And David takes down Goliath. And it's all because of his past experience as a shepherd. And we don't really consider that as a set up at the point, but God uses it to set him up for success. And believe it or not, God wants to do the same in your life. He wants to use your past experience. He wants to use your circumstance to set you up for, uh, for future success. God uses our past. He uses our circumstances to prepare us to accomplish the future for our lives. Now, a lot of you probably are pushing back against this idea and you're like, well, that's, that's easy to say when we're looking at a story from the Bible, but how does that apply to my life? You don't know my situation. You don't know my circumstances. There is just no way God could work through my situation. And I understand the pushback. When we're in the situation, when we're particularly in a bad situation, it's hard to see where God is in, in it. It's hard to see where God's leading us. I just want to draw you a story or tell you a story about a guy called Michael Jr. 
Michael Jr. is a famous comedian. He's toured all around the world. And he's, he's toured with guys like Gerald Wallace and Jerry Seinfeld. And he's gone from place to place and he is a famous comedian all around the world. He's made money, oh, millions of dollars off his comedy. But growing up, Michael wasn't that funny. In fact, nobody laughed with Michael. People laughed at him. Because growing up, during all through primary school and the majority of high school, Michael couldn't read. Michael couldn't read at all. But Michael was too ashamed of telling people that he couldn't read. So instead of trying to uh, learn how to read, he looked at words in different ways. He looked at words before. He looked at the words before, the word that he was trying to read. He looked at the words after it. He looked at each individual letter. He would look at where it fitted within the sentence, where it fitted within the paragraph, how people reacted to it. And from looking at the word in different ways, he was able to determine what the word actually was. And he was able to fool people that he was reading. He had so many ways of looking at particular words. And now, today, Michael can read just fine, but he still has this ability to look not just at words in many different ways, but look at situations in many different ways. And it's what fuels his comedy. And it's what fueled his uh, step onto the scene, his big break. See, Michael was in this room with Jerry Seinfeld and a bunch of other funny guys at the time. And Jerry Seinfeld's about to jump on stage. And Michael is in the room just trying to learn how these, how these big shots do it, how these comedians prepare. And they're in this room and there's about half an hour out till the show. And Jerry Seinfeld and all these other genius comedians are in this room and they have got no clue what they're going to do. Jerry Seinfeld's absolutely got zero. And they've been in this room for hours and they've got absolutely nothing. And the room turns to Michael at this point, half an hour out. They've got nothing. They've got absolutely nothing. They're scraping the bottom of the barrel and they turn to the rookie who's just there to listen. And they listen to him and he, because he's been, he has this ability to look at situations in many different ways, he was able to come up with a pitch of a storyline that which absolutely brought the house down. Because Everyone in the room was looking at the situation by one angle, but Michael was looking at it from various angles. He was able to come up with a pitch which absolutely brought the house down. And Jerry Seinfeld took it, and he was hilarious, and then from that invited Michael to tour around with him and as a result became a major comedian. All as a result of Michael's inability to read. God used that setback in his past of not being able to read, to set Michael up for success. And he wants to do the same in your life. He wants to use that circumstance. He wants to manoeuvre you into perfect position to help you execute the plan that he has for your life. Now, I don't need to tell you this. You already know this, but not everyone steps out into that future that God has for their life. Not everyone has the ability to do what Michael did and step out and seize that opportunity that God presents them. And it's not because God doesn't have a plan for their life and it's not because God can't use or doesn't want to work through their situation, but it's because we hold on to things which hold us back from stepping out into the future God has for our life. And in a moment, I want to give you one question, one question that Uh, that you can take away from tonight and apply to the rest of your life 
so that you don't hold on to things which hold you back from stepping out into your future. If you're new to Beyond, we've got this thing called Four Monday because we believe there is no point coming to church on Sunday if it doesn't change you or impact you for Monday. And this week's Four Monday starts with you answering one simple question. What is holding you back from stepping out into your future? What's holding you back from stepping out into your future? This week's Four Monday doesn't just stop there because it's not enough to know what's holding you back but you need to let go of it. And there could be any number of things that are holding you back from stepping out of that future. Oh, I've listed four, and they're up on the screen. Some things, and they're they're big things, but something that might hold you back from stepping out into your future is your past. You've been focusing in on your past, and you walk through life focusing in on something that happened to you a decision you made or something, a decision that someone made against you and it impacted you and you missed an opportunity because of it and you've been focusing in on it ever since. You had a relationship breakup, you had a friendship fall apart and ever since that, you have been focusing in on that moment, asking yourself, if I could go back, if only I knew, then things would be different. I could change what happened. I could change the course of things. And ever since that, you've walked through life focusing in on the past. And it's holding you back from seeing what's in front of you. Because as long as you're focusing on a missed opportunity, you'll miss the next opportunity. So this week, if, if that's you, if you're focusing in on the past, this week's Four Monday for you may mean that you shift your focus from your past into the future. And you look towards the future as you walk through life. Not saying that you forget the past, but you keep it in mind, but always look towards the future. Something that might hold you back, and maybe not, maybe you're not focusing on the past, and maybe you just don't want to deal with your past. You've got, you've had a set of mistakes that you've made, you've got an issue in your past, and you know that you made this mistake, and you know that you may need to address it, but that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. That's, gonna, that's not what you want to do. So you ignore it, you sidebar it, and you continue to live the way you've always lived. For a lot of us, this isn't just a mistake that we made once, but this is a mistake we make over and over and over. And people keep telling us that we need to address this mistake, that we need to address this kind of issue, this a bad habit that we have, but we don't want anything to do with it. That's going to inconvenience us. And we, can, we ignore their advice and we continue to do the same thing that we've always done. Continue to make the same mistake over and over and over. And as long as you do that, you can, your future will become your past because you will make the same, same decision over and over and over and it will hold you back from stepping out into the future God has for your life. Some of you, what's holding you back is your decision-making process. You don't give a damn about the past. You don't give a damn about the future. You just care about what's happening right here, right now. And the question you, that filters everything, every decision you make is, what's going to make me happy right now? What's going to make me happy right in this instant? And with this decision-making process, you un, or unintentionally sabotage your future because you make decisions that push you away from your future, but you don't recognise it. If that's you, if you've got that decision-making process, this week's Four Monday for you may mean that you change that filter, you change that question, and you 
And you don't ask, what's going to make me happy right now? But you ask the question, in light of my past, my present, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? What's the decision that will advance me towards the future that I have for my life? Finally, what holds us a lot of us back is we've got, we're strangled by fear. We've got the opportunity of a lifetime before us, but we're afraid of stepping out because we might mess up. We might fail. And so we never take that step. We, hold, we stay at the starting line because if we step out, we may fail. And it holds us back from stepping out in the future God has for our life. If that's you, I just want to reassure you that you've got nothing to worry about. There's nothing to fear because God is 100% for you. He loves you and he died for you. He wants the best for you as a hope, a plan and a future for you. And you don't have to be afraid about failing because he will always be there to pick you up. He will always be there to drive you towards the future he has for your life. So what's holding you back from stepping out into your future? In a moment, we're going to wrap up and the band's going to come up and play. Um, but before, before we do, I just want to take a moment to paint you a picture. Just to get you to imagine for the next three months what it would look like in your life if you made the decision to make every decision to advance towards your future. That you weren't going to hold onto your past anymore that you were going to step out confidently, that you were, gonna, uh, that you were going to uh, make decisions which led you towards your future, that you were going to address that bad habit, that mistake in your past, and you were going to deal with it so that you could step out into your future, that you weren't going to hold on to your past any longer, you weren't going to hold on to things which held you back. God has a hope, a plan, and a future for everyone, and he wants to use your circumstances to prepare you to accomplish the future he has for your life. Um, we're going to wrap up in prayer right now, and then we're going to move into a time of communion. Dear God, we just thank you that you work through our circumstances, you work through our situation, you work through our setbacks, Lord, and you want to set us up for success. You have a hope, a plan, and a future for us, Lord. I just pray that you help us to let go of those things that hold us back and to step out in the future that you have for us. In your name we pray.